Support for Recovery Talks, the podcast, and rockandrecovery.com provided by Ohio Means Jobs, Summit in Medina Counties. Recognizing that looking for a job can be tough, especially if you're also navigating a path to recovery. Ohio Means Jobs, Summit in Medina Counties offer career coaching, support services, and training for in-demand careers. For more information, summitmedinaomj.org. Grieving the loss of a loved one is gut-wrenching. The pain rips our hearts open and makes time stand still. When a loved one dies from a drug overdose, those feelings of loss can be even more intense. Perhaps the deceased was a young and vibrant person before struggling with addiction. It's tough to imagine that their lives stop so suddenly from a senseless disease that has taken loved ones away from families and friends for decades. Our guest today has the courage to share his story. And that's up next on Recovery Talks, the podcast. Direct from Akron, Ohio, the epicenter of modern recovery, this is Recovery Talks, the podcast. From those in recovery to those working in recovery, meet those who are shining the light on Recovery Talks right now. You know, any child's death at any age from any cause is a profound loss. When substances such as alcohol and or drugs, legal or illegal are involved, additional layers of grief are often present. Whether death comes after a history of substance abuse, a single encounter, or from the disease of addiction, processing that loss has its own set of complications and difficulties. Our guest today has the courage to share his story, uh, and I would like all of our listeners to please welcome Joe Brady. Joe, thank you so much for appearing on Recovery Talks, the podcast. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We met through a common friend, uh, and she knew that I was in search of people who had stories that may not be suffering from uh, substance use disorder or mental health issues themselves primarily, but were very close to it, specifically with, uh, with this podcast about the tremendous loss of a loved one. If I don't say this enough to you, Joe, I want to be able to say to you, thank you for coming on this podcast to share your story. It's Oftentimes, not the most easiest thing to do from day to day. Some days we feel like we want to share our story. And when the the moment comes to do it, maybe we don't always feel that way. I know I certainly feel that way some days, you know. But if you could for a moment, just let's go back in time. And uh, if we could rehash our initial conversation we had about how we got here to this moment. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your daughter. Well, Brianna, uh, she died at the age of 24, suffered from addiction for probably three years or so, best we can tell. And beautiful, beautiful girl struggled through her addiction and uh, actually went down to a rehab facility back in May of last year, did 40 days down there, did fantastic and came out of there vibrant, ready to roll and was on the waiting list to get into a several recovery houses, but due to COVID and a number of other situations, she couldn't get in. And she was, you know, she'd been living with us for the last few years with her two children. And she decided to take a trip down to visit a friend and ended up having a relapse and it cost her her life. Uh, I'll never forget the call we got on a Monday morning from a hospital asking us to get down there as quickly as possible. She was on a ventilator. They tried to keep her alive for a couple of days. And if I can do anything to prevent another parent or a family member 
from having to witness seeing their child on a ventilator or perish due to a drug addiction, I will do whatever I can to prevent that from happening, whether it's education, awareness. It's just so tragic. And it's a problem that's out of control. We're blessed that her two children live with us. We have custody of them. So they're a constant reminder of Brianna and just how special she was to us. And as a parent, when you came into the discovery that there was a substance abuse disorder going on, what was your first thought? How did you approach the topic from the beginning with her? Well, well, that's a good question. You know, you know I, I have another daughter who's a few years older than Brianna. She's been struggling with addiction for about eight years. I have three children total. My son does not have any addictions that we can tell. But we watched my oldest daughter struggle. And I, I can tell you initially, I thought that I could help and that I could pull some strings and direct traffic and all that good stuff. And, and you learn over the years watching someone suffer from addiction that so much of it is out of your control, and it's really in the hands of the of the person that's suffering from addiction. When we noticed that Brianna was showing signs of an addiction, we did all we could to to help to support. But I had already known that I couldn't control it. It was really in her hands, and we were so proud of her when she went into rehab. But uh, again, that inefficiency in transitioning from one step of recovery to the other cost her her life. You know, my oldest daughter has been in and out of legal trouble, and it's actually what saved her life. She's now in sober living, and she's doing very, very well. But Brianna's death was a wake-up call to all of us. Um, we're very blessed that we have a tight-knit family network, very supportive. And I, I really want to turn this tragedy into something productive, which is why I'm going to be starting my own nonprofit, which we can talk about a little later. I definitely want to get to that. Not a, not a day goes by when we don't miss Brianna, that I don't cry at night. It's just sad. And, and, and you know, everybody talks about recovery uh, for the person suffering from the addiction, but there's a recovery process for the parents and the close family members that very few people talk about because we're all in recovery when that happens. Trauma-informed care uh, is often a topic that I come into contact with now, one of the common parables that I hear is that uh, when a trauma happens to a family, uh, there's oftentimes a lot of attention towards the family when maybe they would rather spend those first few days processing, right? And just being able to get their level, knowing what's going on, everybody's almost an outpouring and different people handle that different ways. Some people are pushy, some people are more laid back in a lot of ways, no one really knows how to handle that. But, they don't, they don't. But, and then what I hear in the community is that after a period of time, one of the biggest surprises to families that go through trauma is that they watch everyone else go back to their life. And it just seems that everyone forgets what they went through. And that's just not the way it works. It's just not the way it works. So I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about, about Brianna before we went into your family. So the early warning signs, if a family was listening today to this podcast and you could give them some sort of, you know, hey, maybe I, I saw this differently than I could have interpreted today looking back, what would be some of those things that you might mention to those people? Well, it, it started with lying, noticing lies, 
her not telling us really where she was going. Things started to be missing uh, from the house that we would find at pawn shops. I, I would actually, Money. when she came home, I, would, I could tell in her eyes if, if mm. she was doing something. She actually uh, OD'd in a Wendy's drive-thru with two kids in the back seat, which is what prompted child services getting involved about a year and a half ago. And, you know, there were a lot, and we talked to her every time we, we, we saw a, a sign or a symbol that something was wrong. And, and she would admit that she had an addiction issue at that point. But the challenge was always trying to get her or convince her to take action about it. She ultimately did, but she did that on her own. She didn't do that because we kept pushing or anything like that. She did it when she thought she was ready for it. Right. I think the, the concept of understanding the neuroscience of addiction, knowing that, you know, and I can speak autobiographically from my own recovery process from substance use disorder. A lot of people thought it was a choice I was making. Hey, you know, can't you just stop? Don't you see what you're doing to your family? Hey, you know, did you did you like crashing your car? Did you like getting in trouble? Did you like making a fool of yourself last Sunday at the family gathering? Of course I didn't. I didn't want any of that stuff. But unfortunately, my my ability to choose really had been significantly impacted by the different parts of my brain that had taken over. Well, and I was that I was that guy seven or eight years ago that thought I could pick out someone with an addiction in a crowd, thought they made the choice. And if if someone told me I was going to be somewhat of an expert on addiction, at least from the outside looking in, I would have told them there wasn't a chance that that would ever happen. But um, but it happened to us. And it's just it's scary to go through. And as much as you want to help and support, there's only so much you can do as a parent. And, you know, we, we belong to a couple of networking groups for folks that have lost children to addiction or that have family members struggling with addiction. And the bottom line is you follow your gut. You do what you think is the right thing to do. There's no roadmap. There's no you got to do A before B and B before C. I mean, in some cases that might work. But at the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, have I done everything I can to support this person? But then it's up to them to, to do what needs to be done. Oh, you're listening to Recovery Talks, the podcast. And we're, our guest today is Joe Brady. Joe uh, has the courage today to talk to us about the loss of his, his beautiful daughter, Brianna. And so let's fast forward a little bit to the day of the event and, and what happened there. And, you know, obviously you got the call. You had to make the move. You had to go down. And, you know, you know, when those calls come through that your whole life is just going to change right there in that moment. And that is, an, in, in fact, a trauma, just that call itself. It was the, the, the call. You know, the call when we got the call, uh, we knew it wasn't good. We had to drive down to the Dayton, Ohio area, which is where she was. And we walked into the room and there she was on a ventilator. We held her hand, slept in the room for two days. We had to fight the the COVID police, if you would, to let us come into the room. But we promised to wear our masks the whole time. Um, I can't even imagine if they didn't let us in how how terrible I would feel that we couldn't hold her hand for her, her last couple of days on Earth. I'd like to think she died peacefully, and I, I'd like her to know that her kids are in good hands. Right. Did she ever wake up when you went to see her? No, she never regained consciousness. 
No. And, and, and we talked to the neurology folks. You know, I always wondered whether talking to someone that was unconscious, whether they could hear you or not. And the bottom line was they said, it can't hurt. Just keep talking to her. I just want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that you and your family went through that. Thank you. I, I just can't imagine what it's like to go through that experience being a father of three sons. I can't imagine yeah. what it was like for you to go through that process. So it happens. You, you, get the, you get the pronouncement. And then what did your family do after that? In, in a way, some of the shock had worn off on the drive down to Dayton because we knew this wasn't going to be, it didn't look favorable. But once she was pronounced dead, I tried to keep my mind occupied with funeral plans. She was an organ donor and she saved a few lives by being an organ donor. So that delayed the, the funeral process by about three or four days, which was very, very difficult because we couldn't put it behind us right away. Um, we were waiting for that. And then because it was a, a drug overdose, the coroner has to get involved. So that took another day or two. But the funeral was was just beautiful. We had such an outpouring of support. Uh, all of Brianna's friends came to the funeral. They stay in touch with us to this day. I handle my grief by just trying to stay busy. I'm working on this foundation or nonprofit I'm trying to set up. I've written a song in Brianna's honor that I ended up posting on New Year's Eve on Facebook. It doesn't make the grief go away, but but you brought up a good point earlier. People's lives, everybody gets on with life. You know, for the first month or so, I was almost upset about that, that people weren't grieving with me, that they they had things to do. They had other, you know, they had to attend to family matters. I wanted everybody to be as sad yeah, as don't I don't they understand. Yeah. Don't they understand? Right? Don't they understand what, right. we're, what we're going through? Yeah. Right. I, I get that. I get that. Right. You know, Joe, I, I want to take a short break here and, and uh, take a break for our sponsor. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about that song. And, you know, some of the things that, of course, being a musician, you know, that to me is, is you know, that's an important place where I can go into a virtual room and I can find that peace. But uh, let's take a quick break and uh, hear from our sponsor and then we'll be right back. Our lives are not lived sequentially. After all, we're not a DVR. We have lives that take us in multiple directions, and sometimes absorbing our favorite podcasts are done sporadically and out of sync. We might have large amounts of time to listen and get caught up on episodes, and other times life in general just, you know, gets in the way. But here's the thing. Every guest, every topic, every journey, from the darkness into the light, has been and will be captured and preserved at recoverytalks.org. Miss an episode? No, you didn't. Every one of them is safely stored and kept in one place, designed to be listened to whenever life allows it. Recovery Talks, the podcast, at recoverytalks.org. Okay, you're listening to Recovery Talks, the podcast. Our guest today is Joe Brady. And if you're not familiar with our podcast, um, we really do try to focus on those in and around the recovery, substance use disorder, mental health issue, recovery community. You know, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you might think. Maybe you're getting ready to make a choice. Maybe you're already there, or maybe you're trying again. But this podcast hopefully will represent to you a wide-ranging, good bandwidth of opportunities for you to understand a little bit more in depth what the recovery process is all about. Joe, you were about ready to talk about a song that you came up with. And, you know, actually, our mutual friend, 
had pointed that out to me and I got to listen to the song and I thought it was so poignant and so touching. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about it because I always like to ask our guests in this podcast, you know, what's the, what's the go-to get you through music? You know, and I, I, there's a few songs to me that no matter how many times I hear them, I'm transported immediately like a beam of light into a different place. So tell me a little bit about this song. Tell me about this song. My, uh, my granddaughter, who's, who's four, and my grandson, too, live with us. And, and one, one day, I was, or one evening, I was tucking my granddaughter in, and I said to her, Alexis, what are you going to dream about uh, tonight? And she said to me she was going to dream about unicorns and polka dots because that's what mommy and me used to dream about. And I started to tear up, and I said, wow, that, that is just sounds like the title to a, a song that needs to be written. So I play the guitar. I, I can't sing a lick. So I worked with a couple other musicians, uh, someone to help sing the song. And we recorded it in a recording studio. And it's called Unicorns and Polka Dots. And it's basically, it's dedicated to anybody suffering from addiction and to any friends and family that are touched in some way by addiction. And it was just my, it was therapeutic for me to go through that recording process for a couple months. And I still listen to the song every day. It's so well written. Uh, it really speaks to what Brianna was all about. Unicorn. I don't know how it happened, but it got about 1,600 views, and I had oodles and oodles of comments. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. It really inspired me to want to get involved in starting a, a nonprofit, and I'm hosting a big event on October 9th at the Music Box. It's a Sunday uh, afternoon slash evening. Uh, we're going to have music, comedy, and education. Um, I've actually got a band coming in. They're all recovering addicts. I've got a comedian coming in who is a recovering addict. So the theme is really going to be educating folks about what addiction really is, what are some of the myths, what are some of the more progressive ways to walk through recovery. And I'm trying to elevate the awareness here in Northeast Ohio because my long-term vision is to build a couple state-of-the-art recovery slash sober living houses and do it so much better than I think we do it here today. So what are the orange barrels that you face <laughs> in this challenge of being able to, to, to get this? I, yeah, there's a, there's a number of them. I mean, certainly there are, there are a thousand other competing good causes out there. So it's finding those folks that are really passionate about this specific cause. There's identifying all the right corporate and perhaps individual sponsors that want to get behind it. I, I actually met with one this morning, uh, CEO of a, a fairly large company. And he says, whatever you do, as long as you name a room at that recovery house after our company, we're with you. So it, th those are probably the biggest roadblocks. And then, of course, I'm still working for a living. So 
it, it's finding the time and energy to really launch this nonprofit and still raise these two little kids that are near and dear to our hearts. One of the things that I think we experience when we hear these stories or when we go through these stories, our lives become a part of these stories, is this it's almost a spiritual paradigm shift. It's just the most important thing in our lives to be able to get this word out and to talk about, you know, how we can help people and change their lives. Because I know that from the, you know, the the modest service work that I'm afforded this great opportunity to do in the community that I live in, when you can see a person's life change and you can know that, you know, either yourself or a collective group of people had a small part in that. And maybe they send you a note. Maybe they, for me, show up at one of my gigs or they send me a message on Facebook. You know, you you just got to sit in that moment and go, you know what? Something good happened here. Something good happened here. So I want to talk to you just real quickly before we finished a little bit about where your family is today. What are some of the things that you guys do? I can tell you that trauma is a lot like forgiveness in some ways. And it's also a lot like, and I use this analogy and I'm not sure if it's appropriate all the times, but it's also a lot like doing your laundry. Yes. You know, you, it's not once and done. You know, my jeans got to go in the wash every week. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with self-forgiveness, self-compassion, you know, and, you know, I will look back on some of the things that I am responsible for during my days when I was using. And I, I oftentimes have a difficult time forgiving myself, but I would imagine that for you to be well and your family to be well now, there has to be a process that you go through together. So maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about that. Sure. Well, first of all, as parents of someone suffering from an addiction, we have to learn to forgive ourselves too. It's very, very common, at least it was for my wife and I, to go back in time and say, did we do something wrong? Was there something we missed? Could we have done something differently? And you can get really caught up in beating yourself up. It serves no purpose. There's no value to it, but we do it. Uh, We're humans. and. I, I, I have befriended a priest um, to help me get through it. And I can tell you today, I'm in a much better place than I was three months ago with the compassion thing and learning to forgive myself. And my wife is too, but it's a journey and, and the grief doesn't go away. You just learn and you choose to be a stronger person and learn how to navigate through it. I mean, my son still calls me every every other day or every other night, and it's normally at two or three in the morning, crying. I mean, he's he's really struggling with it, and and I can't get him to go to counseling. You have to be cognizant of the weight that you're putting on your shoulders, and know that it's okay to seek help. I mean, I I had to seek outside help. I I can't imagine going through this without outside help. And my friend network has been phenomenal. I mean, I. You know, you mentioned earlier, you know, people sometimes don't know how to approach you. Um, my friends have just been there for me through thick and thin, as so has so have my wife's friends. And I feel very comfortable telling them I need some space. I'll circle back with you when I'm ready. Or but they they still check in with me. They they may send me a text, they may send me a, you know, and here we are six, seven months later, 
and I'm still getting those texts and it's, it's sad, but it's refreshing. Yeah. I can relate it to, to the perspective of, of, you know, the message that a lot of us in the recovery community give to people that are at the front door of their recovery experience that, that, you know, it takes time and you have to let time have time. It really does. And the second thing that I would say is that probably the most important is that you, you will really benefit by peer support, finding other people who either can understand, have compassion, or have gone through the same thing you went through and being able to share their ideas. That, that concept of peer support is very, very common. I mean, the 12 step program that I participate in is based upon that peer recovery support, peer support. We all are in this together. Nobody's special. Everybody's the same. And the final thing that I think is the most important thing of the triumvirate is that once you start to get an understanding of of how it works for you and you do start feeling better, there is nothing like sharing it with others. It's just, it's the, it's, to me, it's the salve that you can put on the wound night after night to make yourself feel better, to know that you have been through something, you've earned your stripes in that process, and that you have a message to share with anything. Joe, I just want to thank you for being on a part of our podcast. Where can our listeners uh, get a hold of you and find out more about your 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 foundation and maybe even uh, connect with some of your, your thinking? Where can they do that? Sure. Well, first of all, the foundation is just getting started. I'm in the process over the next several weeks of meeting with all sorts of folks, marketing, accounting, et cetera, to do it the right way. There's no official website yet for uh, unicorns and polka dots, but there will be. But anybody that wants to get a hold of me can certainly email me at J-O-E-B as in boy at Brady-partners.com or call me or text me at 440-653-0352. I have no problem communicating with anybody that wants to learn more uh, or share their story with me. Can't thank you enough. You've been listening to Recovery Talks, the podcast, and our guest today was Joe Brady. Joe, thank you so much for having the courage to share your story with others. And you know, we help people when we are able to speak up and not push it down. And so I just want to say on behalf of all our listeners, everyone here at Recovery Talks, the podcast, just thank you for being here today. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate your time. God bless. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Recovery Talks, the podcast. If you like this, you can find more at recoverytalks.org. That's recoverytalks.org. We're on our way through season four, and uh, there's a lot more up there on that website. But I just want to thank all our listeners for being here. And just remember, everybody, just stay connected, stay standing, and steady on.